Welcome to The Healthy Beast. Today I'm joined from Cornwall by Tony Bevington. Now, Tony is 80 years old and has stage three kidney failure and has recently been arrested twice for growing his own cannabis plants. Now, Tony, I couldn't believe your story when I read it because I think a lot of people think, you know, well, cannabis is a useful medicine now. And although it might be difficult for people to get at least they were not going to be going around arresting people and not particularly not going around arresting people who are 80 years old and they're just using it for their own health purposes. So what, what happened to you? How did they find out? A, a dear next door neighbour uh, informed on me. Are you still friends? Well, not really. Uh, I never really was friends, but uh, he just thought he was doing his civic duty and I understand that. I mean, cannabis has acquired a pretty evil reputation over the last 60 to 80 years and uh, people believe it. How long ago did you get ill? About, uh, well, it's 2020 now, three and a half, four years ago. Okay, so you, had, so you had kidney failure and what options were you offered by your doctors? Well, not a lot. Um, I wasn't offered anything for pain and all I was told was we'll work on your blood pressure, which affects your kidneys and we'll do our best to keep your blood pressure down and that will take the strain off your kidneys. There is nothing you can do for your kidneys. You can't reverse it. You may be able to halt it, but I wasn't even given a diet or anything. I wasn't told that diets are very beneficial to people with kidney complaints. And were you in a lot of pain at this stage? Oh, yeah. What kind of, what sort of level? I... Well, it comes in through the lower back, whichever side your kidney is on, that... Uh, it's like someone stabs you. So you had these stab you had these stabbing pains and so you weren't were you offered anything for the pain? No, nothing at all. Nothing at all. However, if I had been, I'd have been offered an opioid and I'm not enthusiastic. They're too addictive. The side effects are terrible and I really didn't want to go that route. Okay, so you're in a lot of pain and you heard about cannabis as a possible treatment how did you yes it's talked about more and more in the press and uh, i had as a child as a young man recreationally taken it so i was aware that it was around and then i started to look at it from a medical point of view and was amazed at the plethora of information that's out there mostly in other countries up to this day the british government still say cannabis is dangerous it causes harm to communities and individuals and that's their stance so you you read about people using it for the same condition as yours did you i had to do some hell of a lot of research thank god for uh, google and those sort of sites because all over the world doctors are posting up the experiments they've done. I came across Israel, for example, which has 200,000 recorded data cases of the use of cannabis, particularly in the case of older people. And I followed it up. And then I went into CKD, chronic kidney disease, and uh, discovered a little bit of evidence that uh, it was beneficial. So I pursued that route. And so you decided to take it your, yourself. Obviously, you couldn't get it from your doctors. Even My doctor the went mad. Your doctor My went... doctor absolutely did not want to talk about it. The problem here, you see, is that the British Medical uh, Society has never been trained in the endocannabinoid system, which is there are receptors within your body to take the cannabis to balance your body. They call it homeostasis. And I thought, well, if I balance my body, surely I'm going to benefit my body. So that was the tack I took, really. 
And so how did you go about getting it at first? Well, I don't want to go to street dealers because you just don't know what it is. They can put anything with it. Anyway, you're uh, participating in a criminal event. So I, I steered clear of that. I couldn't afford the medical prescriptions that were coming up, even if I could get them, which through the National Health Service was virtually impossible. And the private route, which had only just started a couple of weeks after I was arrested for my second time. So I'm going, trying to go that route now to get a private medical prescription, which will cost me a lot of money. Well, they're hugely expensive. I mean, a lot of a lot of figures are thrown around, but they're talking about somewhere between a couple of hundred and a couple of thousand pounds a month, depending on on how much you need. You know, what condition you have. Some of these epileptic children, it can be it can be thousands if you go privately. Sure, and additionally, for the poor epileptic children, they the parents have to travel probably to Holland or Canada to get it. So it's costing them a small fortune. Some of them have had to mortgage their houses and things like that. Okay, so you didn't. So you didn't have the option of of you didn't have the option of buying it legally because it's too expensive. Even if you know, just as those prescriptions were starting, and you didn't want to go and buy it from a criminal, as you put it, you didn't want to get involved in a criminal enterprise. But instead, you got involved in a personal criminal enterprise of your own by growing it yourself. And ha- I kind of felt justified. I, I thought. I'm not being offered anything. It's down to me to make my decisions and follow whatever route I think is right for me. And so I grew it. It took a lot of studying and I grew it under lights and it was quite hard. As a horticulturalist, it was interesting. I loved it actually. And it it was great fun. For an old man, it was sort of like doing my garden. So you had a background in cultivating other things. Oh, yeah. I've been a horticulturalist, agriculturalist and a teacher around the world for most of my life. So there was some pride when you got your first crop, was there? Yes, although I won't say it was particularly brilliant, but it was adequate for my purposes. And that's all I really was bothered about. I wasn't going to make money out of it. I was doing it for me. Can you describe, you talked about being in a lot of pain, can you describe what it was like when you first sampled your crop, when you first tried your homemade yeah, well, medicine? I, I process it, the plants, from a huge bulk down to a very small amount of oil, and that takes some processing. That was interesting too. So I processed it down, I bought some capsules off eBay and filled them with a little bit of coconut oil and the oil and took one every night. My pain went. I slept amazingly well. My eating improved dramatically and my kidney counts, to my doctor's astonishment, started to go up. So I saw an improvement in all directions. And yeah, the low readings being the bad ones for this this kidney failure. So they started to go back towards number four on the readings now, which means I'm moderate. And your pain level now is? Non-existent. Non-existent. It's gone. It's only recently because of the impending prosecution that I'm facing an additional problem of severe anxiety, which is causing me no longer to sleep. And my eating habits have gone to hell. It's affected my whole life, this um, impending prosecution. Did you? So can, can we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, and if you don't mind, now that we're recording, doing it again. So you'd started growing... 
growing your own. And then last year, how long had you been growing it when the police came to see you? Oh, a little over 12 months, I suppose. Okay, so you'd had a year and it, you'd had this good, good effect on your health. And then suddenly one day out of nowhere, you get a knock at the door. Yeah, you see, a crop from start to finish takes three months. So I'd have a second crop ready, waiting to go in as soon as the first crop finished. The three months crop, I grew adequate to give me enough oil for three months. So at the end of three months, I had a new crop, I processed it and continued. And I was aiming at continuity. Okay, so you had this new crop and, and then and what happened? You got a knock at the door one day. <laughs> yes, yeah, so a policeman came to my do- door and said, I understand you may be growing cannabis. Now, I'm a gentleman, I'm educated and they're doing their job. I sympathise, but I said, yes, I am. And it's my medicine. Do you want to see it? And I took them to see it. Sorry to interrupt. At this stage, are they on your doorstep asking yeah. to be let in? I could have said no and lied. Honestly, I do not feel guilty about what I've done. I I felt that the duress I was under justified the action I took. Well, I mean, you don't need to, you certainly don't need to justify it to me. I think it's, I think it's terrible that, you know, somebody of, of any age, but particularly with your age and your condition would have the police come and interfere in their business this way. But they were. Well, it's the law. It's the law. You know, they're not interested in the fact that it's medicine. Well, they're interested in upholding the law. Well, yes, they. Well, in this case, they are. But I think if you look across the country, the vast majority of um, of police authorities have, have have taken the decision not to do this. It's a postcode lottery around the country, and it depends on the PCCs to some extent whether they're following the government line or being less draconian. I do feel that the law needs to exercise compassion and a little bit of discretion. And in some cases, this is so, but here it isn't. So this was in, this was in November last year, November 2019. And they, on this visit, you were visited by a policeman and a, a female PCSO, and they took your plants at this visit, right? La- plants, lights, and some of the equipment. Plants, lights, and some of the equipment. So after, the, but they didn't take, they didn't take your capsule. So you still had medicine yes. to take. Yeah. Um, now, after they'd left, what, what did you, what was your thought process as they'd gone? What did you think? What's my well, next move? What the move? hell am I going to do? Yeah. It, the situation is even more dire now. I'm progressing, but now I've lost what I'm producing. What, what's the alternative? And the only logical conclusion I can come to is that I had to do it again. So, so start- I did. So you started more or less right away? Yeah. So you got some more cuttings you use rather than seeds? I use cuttings, yes. So you there were so you didn't at least there was continuity in your supply. You didn't have you, you, you Well, exactly, it. yes. I mean yeah. if you stop taking it, as I did for a brief period when they arrested me the first time, I immediately saw uh, uh, I, I didn't make such good progress. I was getting iller again and having pain. Mm-hmm. So I saw a little alternative. I grew a second crop. So, so you'd had the visit in November, you grew a second crop, and then you were visited again when? In January of 2020. January of 2020, a couple of months later, three months later. Um, and what was, the, what was the visit like this time? Same policeman, different policeman? Same policeman, a different PCSO, but they, uh, they got the same response from me. Yes, I'm still doing it, of course. What did you expect me to do? You know, 
you're essentially are condemning me to death if I don't do it. So I took them and they saw it and they took it all away again. This time they were a bit hostile. They, uh, they weren't happy with me disregarding what they'd said the first time. And they discovered my cuttings and searched my house from top to bottom and uh, took so, everything again. And were they treating you respectfully as they went through your house? or No, when they found that I wasn't exactly, in their eyes, being open with them, they started to get very hostile and aggressive. We'll kick your door in at three o'clock in the morning if we think you're doing this again. And maybe we'll incorporate an antisocial order in and get your house boarded up and you evicted for six months. And how, how did this make you feel? Well, it scared the hell out of me. I've got my daughter living with me, my son, my grandson, dogs. You know, it's my home. What, what am I supposed to do at 80 years old, suddenly thrown out onto the street? And how long were they there, would you say? Half an hour? Or oh, two, no, no, no. Three or four hours the three second four time. Hours. And, how, and how much you felt when they left? They, they left I was you. shaking. I was shaking. I felt sick. I was shaking. I was terrified. It's... It's an impossible situation. You feel powerless, completely powerless. It's the omnipotent presence of the state, and it crushes you. And did, and I this, felt crushed. And this time, sorry to interrupt, when they were, uh, they were there for a longer time and they went through and they were more aggressive, did they, did they take everything? Yes. So this time they took everything you had prepared as well? Or... Yeah, even the tent where I had my cuttings, they smashed it up. What's, what's the tent? It's like a... It's like a small greenhouse, a tiny little greenhouse that stands on legs. They smashed it? Yeah, they smashed it, took everything out. So you must have been really shaken up after this visit, you said. Yeah, I was extraordinarily shaken up. I, I Even more so now because uh, I know now I'm going to court. Not am I only going to court, but they want to try and say that I was growing this for money and that I'm a criminal. They want to try and take my house away from me as the proceeds of crime. So what justification do they have for saying that they think you were growing well, it for money? None. I, they found absolutely no evidence to that effect. No piles of cash, nothing to say that I'd been weighing it or selling it in polythene bags to people. Nothing at all. So they I'm do... not sure. I think it might have been an intimidation tactic. And so where does it leave you now? So after that visit, you didn't feel like, right, you could go back to going as you had before. I felt you... I'd be an idiot. So I, I've resorted to a um, compassion club. Now, these compassion clubs, these are, these are around the country. You were telling me earlier, these are people who give cannabis to people like you. Yes, they grow it and they pass it on at cost to people like me. Okay, they And they probably are providing this service to maybe a million people. There are 1.4 million people in the UK breaking the law, taking cannabis as a medicine illegally. And at cost like this, is it affordable for you? Well, I manage. You manage. I have to really, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's that or uh, die. So in terms, of, in terms of the cost to you now, compared to when you were it's growing your own, there are still obviously costs involved, you know, lights and so forth. Is it? Is yeah. it it's cheaper. It's cheaper because you're getting the help of these people. Yeah. Who, who presumably... I, never, I never fiddled the electric. My electric bill was £300 a month. Oh, it was up because of the lights? It went up astronomically. Oh, really? And 
the government get benefit from that. The government charge VAT on the seeds and all the equipment that we use to grow our own crops. It was estimated by a friend that on a crop of nine, the government get £241 in VAT back. Oh, because all the stuff you buy to grow is itself yes. it's legal, so you can buy seeds. Yes, you can buy seeds. You can buy seeds and you buy the lights, you can buy everything. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was still costing you a reasonable amount of money to, to make your own. Oh, this, yes. But this right was taken away from you. Yes. And so what's the, what's the next step legally? What, what have you got hanging well, over Well, I'm going you? to go to court and argue that I was justified. I've also, and it's today, I received an email just before you called me back, that I am now, I am now legally a medical prescribed cannabis patient. Also, oh, you've been given a you've been given a prescription. Yes, because that... um, drug science run by Professor Mike Barnes is doing a trial for the government of twenty thousand people and putting them on cannabis, and it's legal and it's expensive. But I'm very lucky; a load of my friends have donated money to me, to, so I can afford it. Are oh, so you going to go on this trial? Yes, oh, and that's I that... received a notification this morning by email that I'm on the trial and legitimately entitled to hold cannabis. Oh, that's fantastic. So if there were any legal problems in the future, you've got this to say that yeah. the stuff in your... I, I've, I've heard about these... Um, it's a drug trial run by Drug Science. Drug Science. Project 21. Mm. It's 20,000 people. But it still means that you have to pay and it's expensive. Without the donations from my friends, I would not be able to afford it. Um, um, but will this, will this take care of everything you need so you won't need to go to the to the compassion clubs yes it will well that's really good news it's excellent news but in terms you're it, the first person i've told oh that's great no it's really it's really good news it's really good news because i think for you it's it's what worries you do or don't have hanging over you isn't it and i'm and obviously you've had this problem of where to get the medicine that you need well so that's that's great news but then you've got the legal problems and i think I said to you in an email, I mean, I wasn't telling you anything you don't know. I, I can see that you that you you're very you're, you're you, very well informed about these things. But I can't see the prospect of there ever being a conviction because every every criminal trial needs there needs to be a public interest. And I would I would challenge anyone to give a public interest reason for dragging you through the courts. But it's a question of what the next stage is. Well, it's waiting and going to court. But you haven't got any date yes i have oh, you have got a date 16th of november 16th of november. now any sane person i think would hope for them to laugh and send you on your way with an apology but you just never know i guess what's no you happen. see there could be vested interests um in cannabis in pharmaceutical companies like gw pharmaceuticals the people trying me might have shares in that company um whether I actually get a fair trial is a moot point because everybody with who has money has a vested interest and many people in the government have a vested interest. It's a, it certainly does seem from other conversations, though, that, that I've, I've used this phrase before, that there are kind of invisible hands at work trying to stop people getting, getting hold of cannabis or, you know, they, they, we had the, it becoming legal a couple of years ago and, and, most journalists, I think, just went back to what they were doing and think, like, oh, that's, that's, that's over and done with. But as my conversations with Hannah Deacon and Mike Barnes on previous podcasts have shown, nothing really has changed. 
What confounds me is that cannabis is less harmful than tobacco and alcohol, and tobacco and alcohol are legal, and cannabis isn't. Mike Barnes has done a survey which he showed that alcohol is by far and away the most dangerous drug available. Mm. With your, when your doc, you said your doctors initially were very hostile to you. you know, they, I think you said before that they, they threatened to throw you out when you even talked about cannabis. <laughs> yes, they still don't want to. But when, they, when you've gone back to them and you've... Because, I, I mean, my, my experience with the medical profession is, is, is generally very good in this country. I think this is an area, as you, as you highlighted, which they haven't been educated in, so a lot of them don't know. But I think a lot are coming around to it. So, and I think they also, they look at the evidence in front of them. So when you went back to your doctor and you'd... You were, I haven't. You, you haven't? No. Uh, after the hostile reception I got, I've avoided mentioning cannabis to my doctors. However, in light of the email I've received today, they're going to be aware I'm a legal cannabis um, taker now because the doctor who's prescribed it has sent my doctors my notes. Oh, well, that should help. But I mean, it's, a, that's a, it's another really weird situation where you're still, because you're still taking medication from the doctor. Is that right? Yes. I've got pile of um, pills in front of me that I take every day so so you, oh yes if you're hypertension you're taking you're taking medication so it's a, it's a weird situation that you you don't feel able to fully share what you're doing for your health with your doctors and no, in fact you but you you will now now that you've got this this letter now that you're part of this trial I don't you, know that they're going to change their attitude that quickly you don't think so no I, I'm afraid not I may even find myself asked to leave the practice or something like that because they just don't want it. But this is, but you know, this is, I mean, okay, things haven't gone the way that lots of people have been hoping, but you know, this is, this is a legal medicine now. And if you've got a letter from a doctor saying you will be taking this legal medicine to help with your condition, they can't, they can't, they can't turn on you for sharing that with them, surely. No, my other doctor, the one that um, told me I had uh, kidney disease, I haven't seen her for a year because she had a baby. But uh, I, when I mentioned it to her, she said, well, I know absolutely nothing about it at all. And I tried to educate her, but then she went away to have a baby and uh, I got other doctors and they were pretty negative. I, 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 guess, I guess that I don't know anything about it. At least it's an honest answer. Yes, you know, I, I took it as that, and I gave her some le leaflets and booklets on uh, the endocannabinoid system. Whether she read them or binned them, I don't know. Well, it's better. It's better than. Um, it's better to be honest, and it's also better than saying I don't know anything about it. Therefore, I'm going to rely on X, Y, Z received wisdom that I something I remember hearing years ago, which is what a lot of people are guilty of doing. You know, I don't really know much about it, so. I'll assume yeah, it's bad because that's the last thing I heard. Doctors in America, Canada, all over the world, particularly Israel, prescribe it generously and easily because they know about it. So why are our doctors undereducated in this area, which is absolutely beneficial to humanity? Well, I agree with you. I think we, I think we have to not give up on them, though. I mean, I would urge you, obviously it's up to you, I would urge you to speak to them, especially now that you've got this you know, this letter, 
because what can they you know what can they do they can't they can't refuse to give you your hypertension medication they can't have you thrown they can't have you thrown out of the surgery because because that tony will be almost if that happened sending me an email about that would be almost as outrageous as i think the fact that you've had these two visits from the police would be you know you can't you breaking can't, their hypocritic oath well you can't you can't say you can't say to an ill man of sorry to keep going about your age but the fact that your age is significant you know they can't say to him oh well if you've done that thing that i don't fully approve of i'm not going to give you your other medicine that would be awful so i think i i think in these situations you always think what's the worst that can happen the worst that can happen is that they're sniffy about it really yeah they can't they can't send you home and they can't refuse to give you your medication because you know that would be inhumane in the extreme i think you've i think you're you're right you're right to expect a lack of humanity from people with the way you've been treated quite frankly so i understand it but i think we have to have faith that i i think and i discussed this with mike barnes in a few years this will all be forgotten about and we will look back on cases like yours with great shame just as we should feel shame now i think this is all going to be sorted in a few years so i think I think this is these are these are the teething problems, and obviously for you it's had bad consequences. But yeah, but how's it going to be sorted? That that's the problem. Is it going to be sorted with control? I, I fear extreme control, like Canada, for example, where they've brought it in and legalized it for recreational and medical purposes, but they've controlled it, and consequently the underground market. Is booming because what they're offering as medicine is not as good quality as the medicines they're offering legally. They're poorer quality. I think I think for sure there will be there'll be teething problems. But I think I think with the I think with the it's just the the growing yeah, evidence. but I'm suffering while they're having their blasted teething. I problems. know you're suffering. That's why we have to do as much as we can to make a noise about this now to make people realize. I don't think people realize, Tony. I didn't realize. I say I was shocked when I got your email. When I've when I've done various cannabis podcasts, we keep referring back to the case, and I'm afraid I can't remember her name. There was a, a lady who was in the news last year. She was Leslie Gibson. That's her, the MS sufferer. Um, she's a friend of mine. So yeah, so I've I, I've discussed this case with people all the time, and, and people have heard of it. Say yes, disgraceful, isn't it? Awful, and we forget that there'll be. Of course, there are other ones happening. So that's when when you there's millions. There's millions of people in this country who would benefit from cannabis. And because of the stigma that goes with it, a stigma that is untrue, out of date, based on false premise, is still perpetuated in society. And you'll find that there's still a lot of people out there who puppet the government's stance and don't, do, don't look beyond that. I was about to interrupt you when you said millions, saying I, I, I agree with you, it's lots, but it can't be millions. But I think there was actually a figure, wasn't there? 1.3 or 1.4 million take it medically. There's five or six million use cannabis in this country for one reason or another. And some of it is spiritual, some of it is recreational, some of it's medicine. And I think we should all be allowed as adults, harming no one else in the privacy of our own home, to be able to do that. Well, I entirely agree. And I think, you know, you're, you're a great example because I think it just demonstrates, I think I agree with you in all the other cases, but I think with, with your particular case, it's just, it extra highlights the inhumanity of it because, you know, it, it's, you know, because as I, as I say, if you're 
you know, your, your, your age and your illness, it just underscores the unfairness of it, I think. And I think people need to know about it. I think I would like to have, I would like to have a civilized conversation with the people who are responsible for, for your arrests. And how do you, how does this fit in with your plan to, I have to, to, to protect my... your part of the country? I've written to my PCC asking, and I got the government line. Which was, which was... This is... Cannabis is harmful. It destroys communities and causes uh, bad health and psychosis. This was, was this via email or letter? Letter, uh, email. Oh, yeah, great. You could forward that to me. I can, I can add it to the others. Oh, I because... think I've lost it. I oh, got... Okay. Well, it, it, this was a year or two ago. I can, I can pretty much, I think I've seen the kind of... The kind of letter you're talking about. It's, it's cut and paste from... Well, my, my MP's done the same. It's cut and paste, as you say. And most people I know who write to their MP's get a similar response. Okay. Well, it's not good enough, Tony. So we have to, we have to push and do whatever we can because it's, it's disgraceful. Well, Tony, thanks so much for your time today. We'll, we'll my def- pleasure. We'll definitely stay in touch because we, you know, we, we do need to sort this out. And I... I underline again there's no way you're going to get convicted but you need to get this i could do without the strain and the anxiety that's with me because i intend to plead not guilty and consequently that means i'm going to be shunted forwards to crown court which will perhaps be 2022 before it happens so i'm looking at an awful long period of time of anxiety and stress you mentioned anxiety and stress i mean this is it's an awful thing that so you're not in physical pain, but how how bad's the anxiety level for you? Well, now? sometimes I don't sleep at all at night. I lie there, my head just churns with my story, my defence, what I want to say, my fear. But do you have any do you have any peace with it yet? Because you know that you're. You've I know the- I'm right. I know I'm right. And you haven't but- done it. And you haven't done anything wrong. I think that's... Not in my eyes, no, but in the law's eyes, I have. And when I go to court, they're going to say, well, OK, you, what you did was justified, but you broke the law. And the but, law is the law is the law. But this, believe, believe me, this will be one of those things we look back on with shame. You know, the same way we look back with, with shame for persecuting gay people. Well, absolutely. Up, up, until, up, up, until, up until very recently, almost in my lifetime, you know, up until very recently. Well, in my lifetime, certainly. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 very, it's very recent. And, and, you know, look at all the sort of the convictions you had for that. I mean, you, you try explaining that to people of my children's generation. They just don't understand that you would be arresting people for being gay. I mean, it's preposterous. Is arresting an ill 80-year-old for growing something that makes him better... Is that okay? Of course, it's not okay. It's it's preposterous. It really is. Yeah. I think people, you know, I think if you if you're in a quiet one-on-one situation in a room with somebody, I I can't think of anyone who would think this is okay. I really can't think of anyone who would think this is okay. Perhaps right. someone who one of these people who's so deep in some story where for some reason they believe that it's. I do understand some people being against it. For example, there are some parents whose young children have smoked cannabis, say 15, 16, 17, and had a psychotic episode, and it's destroyed them for life. Mm. And it is a risk a small people amount of people take that can affect them like this. So it isn't entirely risk-free. No. 
No, I understand that. And I but think then that, alcohol will do the same. Yeah. And I, I think we need people that do have those fears. I think we need to get them to understand that whilst, yes, there are risks with everything, the prohibition makes things worse. It always makes things there worse. There are risks. If you take an opioid, look at the opioid epidemic in America mm. and everybody justified it. Now, look, we're in the similar situation. Cannabis is an excellent medicine that could replace opioids. And we're denied it in this country. The rest of the world is beginning to wake up. Why the hell aren't we? Okay, well, it's time. Tony, thank Bevington, you very much. Thank you so much for your time today. We'll stay in Great. touch. Speak All soon. right, thank you. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, cheers, Richard. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Tony Bevington. If you want to find out more, you can go to the Philip Anthony Bevington Support Group on Facebook. Thanks very much for listening.